Until recently, small towns in the South were emptying out. People, especially young people, were leaving. Businesses were closing, but in the last decade, a number of small towns have experienced a renaissance. Main streets hum with activity day and night, craft cocktail bars share the block with greasy spoons, and both are better for it. Today, we take you on a gravy road trip to Florence, Alabama that is. What's fueling the economic and cultural engine in this river town? And what role does orange pineapple ice cream play? You're listening to Gravy. Gravy? Gravy? Gravy! Stories of the changing American South through the foods we eat. We're a production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, and I'm Afton Thomas. Today, Wes Wages and Lee Taylor of Made in the Shoals are our guides. They introduce us to two community beacons, one old, one new, both cool. And they share why those places matter. Muscle Shoals, Alabama is in the national spotlight. It is the subject of a music documentary, a television show now in development. All sorts of cool stuff revolves around the music industry lore of the small town. But music is only part of the cultural story here. There's a rich food culture too. On this gravy road trip, we take a look at two sides of that story. One a local icon, and the other a newer kid in town. First, let's talk about the Shoals, a community in northwest Alabama made up of four towns, Muscle Shoals, Florence, Sheffield, and Tuscumbia. Tucked in the foothills of the Tennessee River Valley, the Shoals is an hour from any interstate, and at least a two-hour drive from the nearest big cities, Nashville to the north and Birmingham to the south. The Shoals is one of the most documented places in the world of music. The Rolling Stones, Wilson Pickett, the Allman Brothers, Bobby Gentry, even the Osmond Brothers, all made pilgrimages to record at legendary Fame Studios, with locals like Percy Sledge and the Swampers, Fame's in-house rhythm section. Head north from Fame Studios, cross over the beautiful Tennessee River, and you see the country's only remaining single-lock dam, Wilson Dam, built in the 1930s. At the end of the bridge lies Florence, a city of about 50,000 people. Downtown Florence is where our story begins. Florence is the birthplace of producer and rock and roll pioneer Sam Phillips, and father of the blues, W.C. Handy. It's full of 19th century churches in the University of North Alabama, the oldest university in the state. The recently revitalized downtown is busy with shops, restaurants, and bars. These spots are what sociologist Ray Oldenburg dubs third places. Not home, not work, but the public neutral ground where folks gather and interact. Third places are inexpensive, welcoming, and frequented by the people who live nearby, regardless of their class, race, or job. They are vital to the well-being of a community. On this gravy road trip, we explore third places in our hometown of Florence. (laughs) 
first, let's visit one spot that's anchored North Court Street for 100 years. Trowbridge's ice cream parlor and sandwich shop, with its hand-painted sign and green awning, showcases its soda shop origins. Sixty years ago, Trowbridge's got a makeover and it's stuck. Envision puce green vinyl booths, bar stools, chairs, and laminate tables. Think green linoleum tile floors. The interior design is so old, it's new again. And surprisingly hip. Antique Coca-Cola signs hang on one wall historic photos of the Shoals blanket another. Above the middle booth is a print of FDR on a train to visit Wilson Dam. In 1918, Paul Trowbridge moved to the Shoals on a whim. My grandparents and my dad lived in Texas. My granddad was going to a dairy convention in South Carolina, and he drove and stopped in Florence overnight. This is Donnie Trowbridge, owner and operator and grandson of Paul Trowbridge. He saw the area, liked the area, so when he got home, he packed Everybody up moved them right here. There was a house sitting here at the time, nothing else on the block. So he tore the house down and built this building that we're in right now. He gave my dad this business and he moved back behind this business facing the park and built a business called the Dixie Dairy. That's where all the, the uh, dairy farmers would bring their milk in and he would process it and uh, bring the cream butterfat contact milk to my dad to make ice cream. Well, we made ice cream back here in the back until oh, about 1964. He graduated from uh, University of Wisconsin to Madison with a dairy degree. And he a dairy degree, a yeah. A dairy degree, that's Wisconsin. That's the <laughs> exactly, yeah. of cows. So he developed this, this recipe for orange pineapple and uh, he brought it to Florence, yeah. Purity Dairy now does the stirring and freezing for Trowbridges. But the recipe for orange pineapple ice cream remains a family-owned and closely guarded secret. Just as many come for the sandwiches, the menu sounds like an inventory of your grandmother's refrigerator on a summer afternoon. Egg and olive, ham salad, pimento cheese, and the charmingly named banana. Served on toast with peanut butter and mayonnaise. That's my go-to. Good, how are you today? Um, let me get the uh, banana sandwich. All right. And can I get some uh, chips with that and a cherry coke? Anything else? That's it. The glass comes with cherry syrup already poured in on top of the ice. It's absolutely fantastic. So what's it like working <laughs> at Trowbridge's? It's fun. Yeah? Yeah. Very fun. Everybody here is easy to work with and easy to get along with. What about the customers? Oh, the customers are awesome. We know most of them. And we have a lot of people that come in here from out of town just to come in here to see the place. So that's pretty cool. Any of you guys grow up in Florence? Yeah. Did you come here whenever you were yeah. a little kid? Yeah. My yeah. mom worked here. And on the rest of the menu, hot dogs, chili, and beans. That's it. Besides the puce green vinyl upholstery, the only other thing that doesn't change at Trowbridges are the prices. At least, they don't change by much. Few things exceed 
and a full stomach will barely cost you 10 bucks. Like, I remember you get ice cream for a dollar, like 96 cents, now it's a dollar 30. It's a place of history, it's never changed, it's non changing, it's the same. And do you hope it just stays the same pretty much? Yeah, never I'm changes? sure it will. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so far. <laughs> Not been for here 20 years on and off, and it doesn't change. Trowbridge's has won its share of accolades from magazines most of them pointing to the original pineapple ice cream that made it famous. When I bought Mother out in 85, she gave me one piece of advice. She said, son, it's not broke, don't try to fix it. What tickles me more than anything in the world is to see a little blue-haired grandmother come in and sit at the counter with her grandchild and overhear her saying, hon, when I was your age, my grandmother brought me in, we sat in these same seats. Trebridge's is the oldest standing business in the city. Surrounded by hip coffee shops, bars, and restaurants, Trowbridge's remains relevant. It's a place that no one can imagine Florence without. I live in downtown and can tell you that there's a clear difference between the Florence of today and the Florence of five or six years ago. Parking, a reliable indicator of downtown growth, is tight on a Friday night. It's tight even on a Tuesday afternoon. Not all places like Trowbridge's last. Owners may grow tired and close shop. Nostalgia wears thin. But Trowbridge's, after a century in business, reminds us that people still enjoy made-from-scratch sandwiches, waitresses who call you honey, and rubbing elbows with neighbors on pew-screen tabletops. Tro Bridges serves a raft of great sandwiches. The one not yet mentioned today is a Florence favorite, the grilled cheese. It's two slices of buttered white bread and layered with cheddar and then melted to gooey perfection. At $1.75, it's a deal, even a steal. Add a side of potato salad and you've got a working man or woman's lunch. But if you can't make an immediate trek to Tro Bridges, don't despair. Pull out your lodge griddle that sturdy, seasoned cast iron kitchen staple and fry a sandwich for yourself. Cast iron, specifically the cast iron made by Lodge Manufacturing in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee, conducts heat incredibly well. And it coaxes just the right ooze for a grilled cheese sandwich. Here's one more tip. If you really want to be decadent, throw a few slices of bacon on that griddle too. Crisscross those crispy strips right on top. We promise the best lunch that you'll eat all week. Third places are institutions in towns like Florence. A business like Turbridge's has plenty of time to earn this landmark status. But what about a younger business? An equally beloved third place is just a few blocks down the street. Uh, my name is John Cartwright. I am uh, the owner of Rivertown Coffee Company. We opened in October 2004.
John moved to Florence a little over 10 years ago. He visited the Shoals and decided to set up shop in what was then an underdeveloped downtown. So when we first started talking, and this is me and my parents started talking about, I think I want to open a coffee shop. Um, and having really no experience, I was a little bit wide open, but I did have this kind of loose structure of I thought it'd be cool to do it in a college town. Um, and in a, in a downtown area that um, A, maybe didn't know a lot about coffee or didn't have a lot of coffee in it, uh, and B, centrally located that you can, you're, you're walking distance from places. I mean, the places I went to meet my dad for lunch when, uh, when I was in high school and growing up were these little meet and threes around the corner from his work. And we'd walk, and, you know, and I'd go to his office. We walk down the street and get lunch. Like that's the kind of thing I wanted. I wanted people. To, I wanted to be walking distance from as many people as I could. John had recently discovered his new passion: making great coffee. The brewing of it, the making of it, and um, the drinking of it was just to take me away from uh, everything else. And so to provide that for somebody else was um, a big goal. And. The big window up front, green and brown striped walls hung with local art, and hand-painted tables make the place feel inviting. When a coffee shop is trying hard to be the coolest place in town, even the light fixtures have something to prove. Not at Rivertown. Customers belong as soon as they walk in. To be hip without attitude is a hard balance to strike, but that pretty much describes John Cartwright. Sure, he's sporting the hipster uniform, a beard, thick-rimmed glasses, and a mysteriously tiny hat. But underneath his hand-dyed organic cotton t-shirt, he's just a really nice guy. From the beginning, I knew that I wanted uh, to to provide a place um, for the whole community. Um, and so that includes the local business people downtown. That includes um, UNA four blocks away. That includes high school kids with nothing to do on the weekends. Um, I did my best, we did our best to provide a place that, uh, that would cater to, to all of those groups. Since John and Jan moved here, they've had two sons, Battle and Archie. When they visit, both boys have the run of the place. So do the children of other customers. The Cartwrights were looking for a small town to call their own. When we moved to the area, um, I was just in shock by how much creativity uh, that goes on here and it's not just creativity I think it's just willing to take a risk there's so many people um, that are just gonna give it a go at whatever they're gonna do Rivertown offers more than coffee for years it was one of the only small venues in town where talented locals could perform trying out new songs in front of an enthusiastic audience and so that was one something I wanted to uh, integrate into our business plan too was that's another, yet another way to connect with people um, is, is through music. And so we started very early on doing things like open mic nights and having just a very basic setup. In the front of the store, you can find CDs for sale from local favorites like The Bear, The Pollies, Bella Dare, and Doc Daly and Magnolia Devil, who happen to be playing right now. my employees and it's always been this way they're they're incredibly talented people they have 
something that they're passionate about, whether it's music or art or graphic design um, or writing. And I've always really liked giving those people a job. I mean, it breeds creativity. And so to always surround ourselves with creative people, it's always worked out really well. Florence draws talented, creative people. It always has. Folks visit and decide to stick around for good. Florence doesn't have a dominant industry. Instead, small businesses like Rivertown provide jobs and build relationships. John knows how to do more than make a great cup of coffee. He has, since opening Rivertown, become one of the city's best cooks. Um, it's hard to pinpoint when uh, food became such a um, vital role in what we do. Um, early on, it was basically uh, there's a giant portion of the day where people don't drink a whole lot of coffee, and that's during lunch. And so it was like, huh, we should serve lunch. And um, I, I'm a completely self-taught cook uh, and basically learned everything I know on the fly here. So it's been a really, it's, it's, it had to grow slowly because I had to learn how to cook. Um, but eventually I started noticing like, hey, there's people eating here three and four times a week. So I guess I'm doing something right. Let's return to the words of Ray Oldenburg. What suburbia cries for are the means for people to gather easily, inexpensively, regularly, and pleasurably. A place on the corner. Real-life alternatives to television. Easy escapes from the cabin fever of marriage and family life that do not necessitate getting into an automobile. Finding common ground like orange pineapple ice cream and a well-pulled frothy cappuccino. That's how we become neighbors and friends. I love Florence. Long-haired musicians befriend gray-haired matrons. Fashion designers mingle with brogan-shod farmers. Third places are where that kind of discovery and community building happens. I'm Wes Wages. I'm Lee Taylor. Thanks for visiting the Shoals with us on this gravy road trip. Now, go and enjoy the third place in your community. The music you heard on this episode was performed by Steelism and brought to you courtesy of Single Lock Records, also by Doc Daly and Magnolia Devil, and provided by Made in the Shoals. The next time you hit the highway for a road trip, Map your route with the Southern Foodways Alliance. Follow the Tamale Trail through the Mississippi Delta. 
and savor a half dozen hot tamales and a sleeve of crackers at the White Front Cafe in Rosedale. Look for the historical marker out front, erected in homage to Joe Pope, the master of the Mississippi form. Or drive Cajun Country, Louisiana on the Boudin Trail for a breakfast of hot links at Bubba Fry's Mawada store. In addition to stuffing some of the best boudin in Louisiana, Fry also makes beautiful fig preserves, which marry well to that spicy rice and pork sausage. The SFA has gathered the stories. It's up to you to take the trip. Culinary trails are online at southernfoodways.org. Next up on Gravy, we visit New Orleans 10 years after Hurricane Katrina and the levee breaches that swallowed the city. Much has changed here. Historic neighborhoods have gentrified. Mardi Gras Indians are now rock stars. Taco trucks roam the streets. Bon Me challenged po'boys for sandwich dominance. In this special hour-long episode, which kicks off Gravy's second season, we explore a Bywater wine bar and a Treme fried chicken temple. And we explore what food reveals about the new New Orleans. Mrs. Afton Thomas, as you go about your daily life, make cornbread, not war.